Last time on Daily in Christ, we saw the necessity of the just shall live by faith. All right, so what is faith? The answer to that coming up next on Daily in Christ. Hello once again and welcome to the Daily in Christ podcast. I'm Mark Van Oos and wow, we are so glad to share this time together with you around some of the most amazing truth in all of the universe and universes beyond. It is the truth of God's word and when we go through the entire Bible, the book of Hebrews has to be one of the most important books in all of the Bible. And we're continuing actually in two series together, the larger series called Hebrews the Glory of the New Covenant and a smaller mini series within the larger series called The Just Shall Live by Faith. And it's all at this point surrounding Hebrews chapter 11. Now last time, if you tuned in to the Daily in Christ podcast, and if you missed it, I want to encourage you to get it because it's one of the most important messages I've ever uh, delivered. It was about the necessity of the just shall live by faith. It's very clear in the Bible that the just shall indeed live by faith. That statement is brought up four times in the Bible in four key places. The Bible uses the language of faith in the New Testament, words like, believe, faith, hope, trust, a whopping 677 times. In Hebrews eleven six, we see that without faith, it is impossible to please God. For those who come to him must believe that he is and that he is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. We also found in Romans chapter 14, verse 23, that all that is not of faith is sin. All right. By now you are convinced of the necessity that your Christian life works or doesn't work depending on whether you are walking by faith. So what is faith? Well, we're continuing in a little bit of an introduction to this mini-series, The Just Shall Live by Faith, and we want to take a closer look at what faith is all about. Now, in our last broadcast, we talked about the fact, and this is critically important, Romans chapter 4, verse 16, Romans chapter 4, verse 16, it says that it is of faith that it would be according to grace that it would be guaranteed to all the heirs. Now, we went into a lot of depth last time in uh, the Daily in Christ podcast, and so I want to encourage you, again, if you didn't hear that broadcast, that is a must-hear podcast. You know, it's easy for us coming into Hebrews chapter 11, to forget the critical larger context of Hebrews. And when we get to thinking about faith, we can forget or neglect about Jesus. You see, Hebrews chapter 11 is after Hebrews chapter 1, Hebrews chapter 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. And what has all of that been about? Well, Hebrews is all about Jesus. And when we neglect the context of all of Hebrews and we jump into Hebrews chapter 11, we get some weird, inaccurate, and unbiblical ideas about faith. Now, we'll get into this a little bit more later in this episode. 
But let's remember what we've learned journeying and learning together through the book of Hebrews, the first 10 chapters, the perfection of Jesus and the perfection of his finished work. Jesus at the cross, John 19.30 said, Tetelestai, that is translated, it is finished. But really, it means all is accomplished perfectly forever, once for all time. This is extremely important for us to remember. The important critical context of the Lord Jesus Christ himself. This kind of brings up a pet peeve that I have, and that is what I call so-called it Christianity. It is a Christianity, so-called, that's about things. It's about praying better, being a better person, um, being more righteous, being more holy, being more Christ-like. It's really a lot of things, but Christianity is not about things. Christianity isn't pointed to its. Christianity is about Jesus Christ himself. Christianity is Christ. That is so critically important. I know that seems incredibly basic, but I get so tired of it Christianity that talks about this thing and 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 rarely gets down to talking about Jesus, the perfection and completeness of who he is and the perfection and completeness of his finished work and what that means for us and makes a huge difference. It's the difference between losing and winning as a Christian, and it's God's will that we would win, be successful in what he desires for us. And as we said last time, the just shall live by faith. Now, I want to talk about faith. We want to kind of zoom in and uh, point out that there are two primary aspects about faith. The first aspect is faith looks to the person of the living Lord Jesus Christ. Christ in us is the first part of this, the hope of glory, Colossians 1.28, which speaks to our future reality. When we see hope in the Bible, it speaks to our condition in the future from the very next moment of time through all of eternity future. This speaks of the full purposes of God being fulfilled in our lives, God's full intention, his will, his dream for us. Christ in us, the hope of glory, is the full zenith of our humanity to the fullest, highest measure that God intends for us. And it's made real because of Christ inside of us. That's so important. Christ in us, the hope of glory. Now, the second aspect of faith looking to the person of the living Lord Jesus Christ is the reality that we are in Christ. And that speaks of our present reality. Colossians 2.10 plainly declares, and you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. Christ himself is our completed righteousness, our completed holiness, our completed healing, our completed deliverance, our completed victory. Our completeness is the Lord Jesus Christ himself, and we, the believer, we are in him. 
Christ is indeed all for us, past, present, and future. And that is why, first and foremost, faith looks to the person of the living Lord Jesus Christ. Our hope of glory because of Christ in us and our completeness because of we being in Christ all flow now from the second aspect of faith. So the first aspect of faith is that it looks to the person of the living Lord Jesus Christ, Christ in us and we in Christ. The second aspect of faith is acknowledging and enjoying the perfect finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me say that again. The second aspect of faith is acknowledging and enjoying the perfect finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Out of his finished work, out of Jesus, it is done. It is completed. You know, the tetelestai, the word that he said from the cross, it is finished. Or more accurately, all is accomplished. This is grace accomplishing all, already done, finished, perfectly, in the past, once for all time. Jesus completed all. His work was perfect. His work is complete. So in this second aspect of acknowledging and enjoying the perfect finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ, for instance, Isaiah 53 declares this, speaking of Jesus, our Savior, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. So let's break this down a little bit. Jesus did this. When did he do it? 2,000 years ago, right? So Jesus, as it says here in Isaiah 53, verse 5, part A, Jesus was wounded for our transgressions, for our wrongs, our crossing the line of God's holy standards. When did he accomplish this? Well, he accomplished it 2,000 years ago on the cross. Jesus, it also says in Isaiah 53, 5, was bruised. Now, the Hebrew word literally means crushed. Jesus was crushed for our iniquities. Now, just a little understanding about the concept of iniquity. Iniquity, at its core, is the mindset that results from sin in a person's life. It refers to the negative impacts of sin, you know, all of the avoidance of God, all of the rationalizations for sins, all of the unrighteousness and ungodliness, all of the corrupted thinking, that's iniquity. When Adam and Eve fell in the garden, how did they respond? They hid from the presence of God. Why? Because they were afraid in their nakedness. Genesis 3 verses 8 and 9. That avoidance of God, that fear and shame were part and parcel of iniquity. The corrupted mental attitude and outlook that comes as the result of sin. Isaiah 53.5 says that Jesus was crushed for our iniquities to free us from the crushing load of our sin and guilt before God. When did he accomplish this? 2,000 years ago on the cross. Isaiah 53, 5 says that Jesus took our chastisement, our punishments. Why? So that we could experience real, lasting peace. 
And the Hebrew word for peace is shalom. I love the word shalom. It's such a, it goes way beyond peace. It includes peace, but it's this larger concept that touches every aspect of our lives that means all is well. All is well. That's shalom. And Jesus took upon himself our punishments so that we could be in the shalom of God. We are brought into the incredible experience of peace, harmony, all is well, precisely because Jesus was chastised for us. Did he deserve the punishment? No. Who deserved the punishment? I did. You did. He was punished for our peace. And when did he take our deserved punishment for us so that we could be in total shalom? 2,000 years ago on the cross. Now we're talking about the two aspects of faith. First, looking to the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, the living Lord Jesus Christ inside of us and us inside of him. And second, acknowledging and enjoying as yours right now. You have it. You've got it. The finished work of Jesus Christ. Those two aspects go along with the two great themes of Hebrews that is repeated over and over and over and over again. First, the perfection of Jesus Christ as a perfect son, as a perfect high priest. Second, the perfection of Jesus' finished work. Perfectly, he was perfectly conceived and born. He lived a perfect life in perfect loving obedience to the Father at all times. He suffered perfectly, sacrificed perfectly with perfect blood, dying a perfect death, perfectly satisfying the wrath of God, perfectly dying, perfectly resurrecting, perfectly ascending to the Father's perfect right hand, and now perfectly interceding for us. See, that's the ground zero of faith. It's the perfection of the person of Jesus Christ and the perfection of Jesus' finished work. Now listen to this. Faith looks to the perfection of Jesus and his finished perfect work and gladly enjoys all the benefits of his all is accomplished, all is complete, all is finished for me. Here's some of the results. I am 100% complete in Christ. I am 100%, and that's again Colossians 2.10. I am 100% blessed with all spiritual blessings, Ephesians 1.3. I am 100% righteous with his righteousness, 2 Corinthians 5.21. I have the same just standing before God the Father as Jesus has because he is is just and my justifier, Romans chapter 3 verse 26. I am 100% holy. Hebrews 10.10, Hebrews 10.14, and 1 Corinthians 1.30. I am 100% forgiven forever. Ephesians 1.7 and 8, Hebrews 1.3, Hebrews 7.25-28, Hebrews 8.12, Hebrews 9.24-28, Hebrews 10.17, and 1 Peter 3.18. I am 100% forgiven forever. Because of the perfection of Jesus and his perfect finished work, I am 100% healed, Isaiah 53, 5. 
I am 100% delivered. Galatians 5, 1, 2 Corinthians 3, 17, Isaiah 61, 1 and 2, and Luke 4, 18. I am 100% seated in heavenly places at the Father's right hand of his throne in Christ. Ephesians 1, 20 and Ephesians 2, 6. And folks, that's just some. There are many, many more. Listen to me. Listen to the truth of the scripture because of the perfection of Jesus and the perfection of his finished, accomplished work once for all time. I am and you are as complete as Jesus is. I am as complete as Jesus' finished work. Faith embraces all of that now and enjoys it. Let me say that again. I am, because of the perfection of Jesus Christ and being in him, I am as complete as Jesus is. And because of his finished work, I am as complete and I have received the full benefits, the rich benefits of Jesus' finished work. Faith looks to Christ for all. So let me repeat those two primary aspects of faith, biblical faith. And remember, A lot of people get weird notions of faith because they have divorced Hebrews 11, which is about faith, the just shall live by faith, from the rest of Hebrews. And if you do that, you'll get a weird doctrine. You'll get a weird understanding of faith. And we're going to continue clarifying faith and living and walking by faith. But let me repeat again the two primary aspects of faith. First, faith looks to the person of the living Lord Jesus Christ, Christ in us, the hope of glory, and we in Christ, speaking of our present reality of being complete in him. And the second aspect of faith is acknowledging and enjoying the perfect finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. My dear friends, this is not mere theory. This is not some um, detached irrelevant theology. And by the way, if you have an irrelevant theology, it apparently isn't good theology because good theology is 100% relevant, as relevant as the reality of God himself. Okay, setting that up, we have spent the last episode bringing out the important case of the necessity of the just shall live by faith. And here at the beginning of this episode, Still in the introduction to Hebrews chapter 11, the introduction of our series, The Just Shall Live by Faith, we haven't even begun getting into the text itself. Well, let's do that. And uh, even though it's Hebrews chapter 11, this is one of those cases where the division of the chapter uh, between chapter 10 and chapter 11, I think is incorrectly placed. Remember that when the Bible was first inspired of the Holy Spirit and holy men were moved of the Spirit to so write. They did not write it with chapters and verses. Uh, That was something that came about centuries later. I'm glad that the Bible has been divided up in this way. It helps us find where the other person is, right? But unfortunately, in this case, the chapter division from Hebrews chapter 10 to Hebrews chapter 11 is not, in my opinion, properly Placed. I believe it should begin in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 38. 
And when we read this, you'll understand why. Hebrews, so we're going to look at Hebrews 10, 38 to 39, which reads, Now the just shall live by faith. But if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who draw back to perdition, but of those who believe to the saving, the preserving of the soul. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 38 and 39. There it is, the just shall live by faith. And I pointed out last time that that important phrase, by faith, appears 18 times in Hebrews chapter 11 alone. No other book in all the Bible uses that phrase by faith as many times as one chapter in Hebrews chapter 11 says by faith. Now, some have referred to Hebrews chapter 11 as the faith hall of fame. I, I, I've actually changed my mind on that like <laughs> since the last episode. I'm always learning because I think that's really a poor thing to call it and to understand it. First of all, all of the people in Hebrews chapter 11 are Old Testament uh, people. And it's not even comprehensive. If it was a faith hall of fame, then certainly the greatest luminaries of faith, Old Testament and New Testament, because at the time that Hebrews was actually written, there were um, luminaries in the early church. No, the point of Hebrews chapter 11 isn't some hall of fame enshrining the greats or the heroes of faith. I don't believe there are any heroes in the Bible but one, the Lord Jesus Christ. And Hebrews tracks right along with that. There's only one hero, one who deserves the hall of fame, and that is Jesus Christ himself. Hebrews chapter 11, and actually, like I said, beginning in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 38, is simply about the just shall live by faith. And it really makes the point that these who are under the old covenant uh, time period or the time before Christ were people who um, had faith for something that was yet to come. And even before Jesus appeared as the Son of Man on the earth and did all that he did, living the perfect life and dying the perfect death at Calvary and rising again and ascending, even before then, the just, the righteous, lived by faith. And that's the point that Hebrews chapter 11 is making. And it's also saying, likewise, Here's the big principle, the just shall live by faith. Now, again, another chapter division that I think is ill-placed is the one between uh, chapter 11 of Hebrews and chapter 12. I believe that this unified section begins at Hebrews 10, 38, as I mentioned, goes all the way through Hebrews 11 and through Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. Listen to this, Hebrews 12, 2. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. That's Hebrews 12, 2. So as you can tell, the full complete thought in this section of scripture of the just shall live by faith and that faith that's directed toward the living Lord Jesus Christ begins in Hebrews 10:38 now the just shall live by faith 
all the way through Hebrews 11 into Hebrews 12, verse 2. We can't say this enough, and we said it over and over and over again the last time, about the towering principle that the just shall live by faith. That is so key. That is so essential. That is so important. How do the just live? They live by faith. And by faith, starting in Hebrews 10.38 all the way through Hebrews 11, is said 20 times. Folks, that is hugely important. And again, let me go back to where we find one of those, the just shall live by faith, and it's tied in to the gospel revelation, Romans 1.17, for in it, the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. That's the key that's coming up in this section of Hebrews. Now, let's look closely, if you will, at Hebrews 10.38b. We spent quite a bit of time looking at um, the first part of verse 38, which uh, which uh, says, now the just shall live by faith. The second part of Hebrews 10.38 says this, but if anyone draws back, my soul, says God, has no pleasure in him. Now that can be quite scary to us. We certainly don't want to be um, someone who draws back, right? We read in Hebrews 3 and 4 about Israel did that. They drew back. They Instead of entering by faith into the full promise and blessing of God into the promised land, they drew back and they didn't enter in. And God wasn't pleased with them and God is not pleased with anyone who does that. But please remember Hebrews chapters 1 through 10, okay? which is about Jesus and Jesus alone is the only hope and ground of God's acceptance and blessing of us. In fact, Hebrews contrasts constantly between the covenant of law and our failure and the covenant of grace, the new covenant, and the perfect success of the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at Hebrews 10.39. Listen to this. But we are not of those who draw back to perdition, but of those who believe to the saving of the soul. Did you hear that? We're not of those who draw back to perdition. We're not of those who don't enter in. No, we are of those who believe to the saving of the soul. Now notice what it says. We are. It says, we are not of those who draw back. We are not. This speaks of our condition, not our behavior. We are of those who, we are uh, not of those who do not believe and draw back. No, we are not of those who displease God. We are of those who believe. Why are we believers. It's not because we believe. We are believers because God has made us that way. 1 Corinthians one thirty says, of God are ye in Christ. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says that faith is the gift of God, that no one would boast. And we are believers because God has 
made us believers. That's why the Christian life can only work on the basis of faith. God has made us believers. And we are believers not because we believe, but because God in the new creation has made us that way. And because he's made us in the new uh, creation as new creatures, believers, this Christian life works by believing. It works by faith. The just shall live by faith. Now, why is this the case? Well, all of what Hebrews declares, right? We are made believers because of the perfection of Jesus and the perfection of his finished work. We are believers, made believers by God's grace. We are made believers because of God's righteousness. We are made believers because of Jesus' perfect standing with our Father. We are those who are in Christ. And as such, we are believers. We are not of those who draw back onto perdition, but we are of those who believe to the saving of the soul. Now, let's talk about this concept of the saving of the soul. The Greek word um, is not the usual word that's used for save, uh, which is sozo. This one is parizo, and it means preserving. We are not of those who draw back to perdition, but of those who believe to the preserving of the soul. That's important because we live in a time where there's a lot of sin and a lot of corruption and a lot of things going wrong. And we can be very concerned, will I be able to make it? Will I be able to survive such an ungodly time in an ungodly world? Well, here's the answer right here in Hebrews 10, 38. Absolutely. Because we are not of those who draw back to perdition. God has by his grace and the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ made us believers, made us his children, made us new creations who believe to the preserving of the soul. And listen carefully. You are preserved not because you are the preserver. You are preserved by the Holy Spirit who dwells in you. So it isn't, I'm going to try to not be caught up in this corrupt world. I'm not going to try to do this. I'm not going to sin. No, 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 no. It's faith in the reality of Christ inside of you, the hope of glory through the Holy Spirit. This is really encouraging. Okay. This is is incredibly encouraging. Look, Christianity, and I said this at the very beginning of the program, is about Jesus. It's not about its. It's not about you becoming a better person. It's about Jesus and you in union with him, the perfect human being, the perfect son of God, perfect son of man. You have the full benefit now of completeness by virtue of your union with him. This is why I have had to stop saying this, referring to Hebrews chapter 11 as being about the faith hall of fame. In fact, 
we talk about the giants of faith or the heroes of faith. Folks, they do not exist. Actually, those people that, that religion has made out to be heroes of faith or giants of faith, they're actually little, insignificant, weak, failing, sinning people. Abraham was a pagan Iraqi before God came to him and blessed him unilaterally. Rahab, you know, the prostitute is noted right here in Hebrews chapter 11. I don't have to get any detail about her failings, and yet she had faith. How about David? He was a shepherd boy. His father ignored him when Samuel came to look for and anoint the new king. He left him out in the field. That's David, you know, who became King David. How about Paul, the Apostle Paul? His name, the Greek word means least. And he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 9, he wasn't even worthy to be called an apostle. In fact, in Ephesians, he says, I'm not even worthy to be called a saint. See, we can have this idea that there are the um, those who, and, and I'm going to use a little bit of an Americanism here. I can't think of a better way to say it, so I'll define it for our international friends. But we can sort of think that there are some who are super spiritual people who have a silver spoon in their mouth. And what that means, silver spoon in the mouth, is a person has been born in privilege, they've been born with wealth, and they just had it made. We can think that there are other Christians, other heroes, whether they would be from another generation or someone we really look up to now, and and we can think, oh, I'm not like them. I'm so weak. I'm so little. I'm so failing. We can even think I'm, I'm just one of those who shrink back when it comes to faith. How can I, little old me, ever be a man of faith or a woman of faith? But the scripture declares and the truth and the reality is not because of you, but because of the perfection of Jesus and his perfect finished work, we are not of those who draw back to perdition, but of those who believe to the saving of the soul. You know, we can think, I could never do this faith thing, but the scripture says, but we are not of those who draw back to perdition, but of those who believe to the saving of the soul. We can think, I'm so afraid that I will fail God. But the scripture says, but we are not of those who draw back to perdition, but of those who believe to the saving of the soul. We can think, who am I that I would think that I could walk by faith? But the scripture says, but we are not, we are not, we are not of those who draw back to perdition, but of those who believe to the saving of the soul. Did I sound a little bit like a broken record there? Well, I'm not trying to be a broken record because the truth of that powerful statement in Hebrews 10:39 when it says we are not we are not we are not of those who draw back to perdition, but of those who do believe to the preserving the saving of the soul. Why are we not of those who draw back to perdition, but of those who believe to the saving of the soul? Because the successful one is not you. The successful one is not me. The successful one is not the so-called giants of faith who don't exist. The successful one is Jesus. 
Isn't that what Hebrews is all about? I'll tell you, God has really been rearranging my thinking about the subject of faith. And the Spirit has challenged me as I've gone in and studied this afresh and anew. Hebrews 11. And the subject of faith, the Spirit has been constantly saying to me, Mark, do not forget the rest of Hebrews. Don't take this thing out of context. Don't teach it the way you've always heard it. But keep in mind the reality and the totality of what is laid out in Hebrews chapter 1 through Hebrews chapter 10. Jesus is the successful one. Jesus is the one who accomplished all perfectly. Jesus has finished the work. Hebrews 10, 9 through 10 says, speaking of Jesus, and we just studied this not too long ago, Jesus said, behold, I have come to do your will, O God. He takes away the first, speaking of the covenant of failure and law, that he may establish the second, that's the new covenant of grace, by that will, verse 10 of Hebrews 10, we have been sanctified. We have been sanctified. We have been made perfectly holy through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And because of Jesus' finished work, Hebrews 10:14 says resolutely, triumphantly, for by one offering, he, Jesus, the only hero, the only superstar, the only one worthy of the hall of fame, he, by one offering, has perfected for all time those who are sanctified. That's why the first 10 chapters of Hebrews is all about Jesus, not about you. And because we're getting into the subject of faith, it still is not about you. It still is about Jesus. See, if you are saved, born again by the grace of God through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, you are not of those who draw back to perdition, but of those who do believe to the saving of your soul. You are a believer, not because of you, but because of the everything that Jesus has perfectly accomplished for you. My dear friend, and who would get the glory then? You don't get the glory. God gets the glory perfectly through his Son, Jesus Christ. Oh, folks, this has been really something for me personally. I have been challenged as I have had to exercise the careful discipline through the Spirit's guidance of sticking to the Word of God here on the subject of faith and that the just shall live by faith. No other point in the whole Bible is more important than these verses in their context these verses in Hebrews 10.38 through Hebrews 12.2 on the subject of the just shall live by faith in the context of Hebrews chapter 1 through Hebrews chapter 10. Remember what we talked about in Hebrews chapter 4? Well, what the Spirit talked about, about entering into God's rest. And we took so much time carefully laying out the fact that that perfect rest is something we are already in. Because Jesus 
has finished the work. And rest, biblically applied to God, doesn't mean that he's tired and needs a break. It's indicative of the fact that he has finished the work. And Jesus right now is seated at the right hand of God the Father. And guess what? By the grace of God and the goodness of God, you, believer, and I am seated in him in heavenly places by the grace of God. This is the place where faith thrives. Faith breathes exuberantly in this atmosphere of grace. And it's all because Father God loves us. He doesn't want the Christian life to be this hard, difficult, challenging thing. Because our Christian life is not a lifestyle. Our Christian life is Christ himself. And the question always is, is it too hard for him? No. If it's not too hard for him, then how can he, who is perfect and omnipotent inside of you and you inside of him, fail to carry it out? He will. This is the whole premise of faith. Well, next time on Daily in Christ, we're going to get into Hebrews chapter 11 and uh, we'll talk about uh, starting in verse 1 what faith is not and what faith is so we're continuing just to develop this idea and this theme that's centered around the Lord Jesus Christ let's pray father we praise you and we worship you in this holy moment and father I thank you for how good you are I thank you father that it still seems to me, Lord, too good to be true, but it is true because you, you are that good. Father, we are amazed at your perfection. Father, we are amazed at your goodness, your perfect righteousness, your perfect holiness, everything, Lord, your perfect love, your perfect peace, your perfect healing, your perfect life. Everything that you are, you give to us. Everything that you mean to give to a human being is given through the one who is perfectly God and perfectly human so that we in our humanity would perfectly glorify you. Spirit of God, take this word that we have gone into and I pray that you will just illuminate, turn the light on that we may see. Grant unto us the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the full knowledge of you, Father. And we promise to give you and you alone the praise and the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs>